My name is Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Rackend and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In this episode, we go back to platform engineering and specifically ask, is platform engineering effective at hiding complexity from developers? And we tear apart what platform engineering is doing and how it came about and what it's trying to be um, as a not as a startup thing or as a point in time, but actually looking more at what companies are trying to accomplish with platform engineering. How can successful efforts improve outcomes for development teams and operations teams by improving collaboration and contracts? Um, That to me has always been the point of platform engineering. It's easy to say, but in the this coming 45-minute session, we actually talk about how and why that's important and what those efforts entail. Um, We get to some really interesting points uh, during the episode and then TF our next platform engineering conversation. I'm on the the platform platform engineering exploration kick still. and the idea here was sort of asking the question, does platform engineering you know, work to make uh, infrastructure less complex for developers? And, and tell me if, if these, if this, if beating on this topic is, if we, if I don't think we've gotten to the bottom of it, I still keep having conversations that leave me really confused. So it, it feels helpful to me to talk about this. Um, and and it, it keeps coming back to everybody's excited about it, you know, internal developer platform or portals. And, you know, I, I'm reading all this stuff about portals, but I'm not reading a lot of stuff about operations and infrastructure in these conversations. And it, it just feels like a gap to me in the conversation. Uh- I mean, everything else being equal, I think platform engineering would make interfacing with infrastructure less complex for developers specifically. However, just like with um, just like with browser memory, it, it is never quite that simple in practice because as your as the platform engineering team continuous working to make things less complex for, or at least make the interface less complex for developers. Developers then become more emboldened to request more features, <laughs> which again, okay. so, so and my perspective is that platform engineering helps prevent an out of control growth of complexity. So you you still have complexity going up and down, uh, depending on the velocity in which the platform engineering team works. Uh, but the the pace at which that complexity changes is is more manageable. Again, from the developer perspective, there, there's a lot of stuff happening inside the black box Ooh. that the platform engineers do that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, I, it, 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 I mean, it invariably adds complexity because it, it add, like continuously add more features. But again, you have to take into account the perspective. You go ahead. Go ahead. You also have the issue of um, it. It hearken. It's easy to hearken back to the olden days of IT departments, especially in large corporations, the larger you get, the more bureaucratic. And the platform become can become bureaucratic, limiting developers' ability to introduce new different technologies that are out mm. there, but not yet within the company purview. So it's kind of like the no-code like Claude Klaus said, it's a lot of lot ways like no code. It's like once you get the platform there, uh, then everybody needs new stuff. 
I don't think that um, either regulatory restrictions or, or just like uh, compliance restrictions are, are really much of a barrier to uh, to platform engineering, at, at least not if the company takes a healthy approach to either one of those. Um, like even in like even in, in U.S. federal environments, they are constantly bringing in new uh, or bringing in approval for new technologies. Like Kubernetes is allowed now in federal environments, and that 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 is a huge thing. Like it's, I I wouldn't have believed that five years ago that that they would have done it. Um, but it's it's there, and with it also comes a much healthier approach to compliance as well. Um. So I, I, I'm seeing firsthand that um, the FedRAMP regulations are being updated and, and modernized. Uh, and they're actually sensible. Like they, they're starting to require, okay, like you, you still need PIPs encryption between your components. But if you are on a managed platform that provides FIPs uh, FIPS compliance at the network level, and you run your workloads on it. You don't have to do make your container FIPS compliant anymore. Ah, uh, okay. That's insanely huge, because it, like before that, when you were running stuff on a VM, it had to be top to bottom compliance. So Thank now there, there's a cutoff there, and and that's essentially platform engineering. Yep. Thank you, Digital Services Agency. Huh. That's. That's the group that the uh, government uh, agency that started hiring people out of high tech. So people who wanted to either get out of the rat race or aged out or whatever, they hired a lot of people out of the the big the startups and the big companies, and they're using them to modernize the system. Hmm. But that's cool. <laughs> yeah. you're giving you're giving me hope for a, a, a since i'm i'm near the near a lot of that stuff now you're giving me hope for a potential uh sunset uh opportunity for me oh i can i remind me later i'll connect you up with a, a woman who's deep into that yeah. um, they're it's... focusing a lot more on on the process requirements as opposed to specific technologies which would end up being deprecated in five years. It, it, it's a very healthy sense. But I guess when I come back to, you know, what, what you described to me is the platform doing the work. Yes. Um, and, and therefore is that, is that complexity that that's complexity that the, the developers don't have to worry about. So that's a score from a platform engineering effort, or is it even a platform engineering effort? It's, I mean, it, it's a platform engineering effort on the side of the CSP. Okay. Like the, it is clearly something that the, that the cloud service providers have put effort into to say, here is our platform. You run your your stuff on top of our platform, and all of these couple of things here they're taken care of, like encryption address, encryption traffic. Um, you can set up flags relatively easily to say, okay, like the the load balancer will only accept QLS one point two on these algorithms and so on. So, so I would still count it as platform engineering, just not in the sense that it's being sold now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's even to the point where I've seen a couple of, and I don't see anything, but I've seen a, a couple of ads and whatnot promoting the fact that they even have 
a lot of the monitoring and uh, observability uh, framework and and uh, basic links set up for you. And they say, this is what you'll need. And this, then they say, and then this is the area you'll have to take care of. Mm-hmm. But so what, so what you're describing to me, and one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is this crossover into production, right? You're talking about site reliability engineering, right? When I hear observability and stuff like that, what's the they? Is so the the, um, is the, the the cloud providers are providing the basic uh, monitoring, uh, the tools and the framework where you can just plug in a lot of the stuff if you use their plat their platform as okay. they provide it. Unfortunately, oh. a lot like Heroku, and uh, <laughs> we saw what happened there. It, it it's more pluggable than Heroku, so uh, there there is hope for it. But, uh, now there's also a significant cost uh, attached with it. Like for example, mm-hmm. Google, their their security center it starts at memory starts right at something like hundred thousand a year, but, and, and that's just to start with it. So yes. Like you pay for it, and, and and a whole bunch of stuff is taken care of for you, uh, but the, the entry point is still pretty steep, particularly for startups. Um, but uh, again, to to follow up on what Rocky is saying is, um, there's a lot better integration, and cloud providers are starting to come out with with recipes where say like, if you if you follow the steps in this recipe, we will guarantee that this list of requirements will already be met. Uh, and that uh, significantly lightens the load uh, in terms of guaranteeing compliance on, on the user. Challenge I've seen is most, well, I want to say most, a lot don't want to go that route, which is where we get into the conversations of like ECS versus EKS or if there are already Terraform modules or CloudFormation templates for the thing that you want to do, why are you rewriting a, a template? Yeah, uh, again, it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's largely again about being able to to guarantee that the compliance. Like it, it is up to the user to decide whether they will want to follow all of the steps. Uh, and the good news is again, like unlike Heroku, is you can you can do a la carte. You can choose to implement it all all by yourself, like from scratch using VMs and, and then build it up from there. In which case you you need to be able to to certify yourself that that your whole stack is compliant. Or or you can pick a level, either either like the network level or the VM level, or go all the way to to ECS or, or EKS or, or, or whatever uh, equivalent service goes uh, and say like, okay, I'm using off the shelf all, all the way up to here. Anything below this line is, is not my responsibility. Of course, you're paying for that, but I mean, for, for a lot of people, the, like that cost makes sense because they don't have to spend the time and, and the effort in in certifying that and then recertifying that every year. You also consider that a hundred thousand is less than a uh, an ops person at this point. Person, and you're probably getting at least an one one person one one ops person's worth of value out of buying that. So 100,000 could actually come up fairly cheap if you uh, reduce the need for a startup to hire someone who knows what they're doing. And there aren't that many people out there that you can hire. So, which makes sense to me from like startups have have a lot less dynacism from that perspective than an enterprise would, where they've got sort of that entrenched entrenched piece they also might be willing to say i've set it up this way and it's it's i'm not going to worry about it 
what what is it is there a person like from an from a a more you know multi-team discipline multi-discipline approach where you know is, is still a platform team somebody making a decision that they want to turn all that stuff on or you know just it's not that simple if you're if you've got existing apps or existing systems right and so that's, that's not where we're talking about it yeah. yeah so part of it is it's startups it's uh whichever one of or set of the founders decides to set up the system and this makes their life easier and they don't have to buy an ops person quite yet because they can sort of handle it when you get to the enterprise it's more of a, a digitization task where you've got to decide whether you're going to migrate to that or not and do the the business analysis of will this save us money and will this or will this provide us uh the compliance that that we need because we're getting big enough where people are starting to look at us that way actually uh, in my experience on a startup it, it, the experience has been the other way around <laughs> where a larger company might look at the, the cost and, and, and rationally say okay based on our, our our experience it took one of engineers this much time to to implement this and then we we have to consider the the recurring cost of of maintaining it so so yes we we can of we can afford the price on a startup um where they may have less than a dozen engineers themselves like it that ends up being 10% of their added to their operational cost they they, they may not be able to uh, to justify that and and in many cases startups also end up going through through growing pains where their POC is pretty lightweight uh, and and has no has very little load and traffic and so mm-hmm. uh, so you you start with like with the hundred thousand dollars which is just the the initial cost just to enable the feature and 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 then you scale up and and then your your volume of traffic goes up and then your metered use goes up and, and it's no longer practical at that point yeah uh for more i i think it hmm. makes more sense for startups that are more in the social uh social networking space and also along those lines um there are uh various companies that uh provide uh startup aid like microsoft has an incubator and whatnot the incubators like Microsoft would provide it as an incubator thing mm. to get to rope the startups into their platform. And I could see Google doing the same thing to for startups where you get this for free and it helps you grow faster and, and stuff like that. And then the companies are kind of the, the startups are locked in, yeah. but, but they also is, grow faster at the beginning. But this is to me that the, there's a distinction with using platforms and making decisions about platforms and the and maybe that maybe I'm not looking at the right distinction and and the idea of platform engineering to me which is you know I've I've got I'm trying to have some make have some more disciplined decision making and to me it does come back to complexity it's like all right we've developed we want developers to move faster we need to make some platforming decisions so that we hide complexity from developers or we encourage them to have go down this, a similar path so we can support them better. I think what y'all are describing are, are a trade-off that a startup would make when they're just designing things. Is platform engineering only going to work with you know sort of greenfield projects? Can we can we do no, it no. well? No. Okay. Uh, then that's why I say digitization. It's a digitization thing where a company gets large enough where they start being concerned about uh, the velocity. Startups don't really have much concern about velocity because they think they're moving fast anyway. <laughs> and so when you it's start, easy move, it's, it's easy to move fast when you don't have any customers or users. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, and, it, it, it's not so much a, a, about not being concerned about velocity 
uh, startups are largely greenfield just by nature. So what they are lacking is the worry about breaking things. So when you don't have to worry about breaking things because you don't have anything to break yet, <laughs> yeah, you, you can right. iterate much faster to, to the point where, where you have your final implementation. Um, so that in turn means that they, they have the luxury of saying like, okay, we, we've tried this. We've done our, our, our time box effort on, on it. Uh, we like this part. We don't like that one. Let's throw it away. Switch with the next tool. Um, okay. Larger enterprises, you, you have that, just that luggage you know, dragging you. But does that, is that mean that platform engineering is this rationalization process? Right. I'm trying to get past yes. the, I want a yes. dev portal into the engineering, to what I consider the engineering so, part of it. I, which I would is... call it the homogenization process. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's it's the whole it it's when companies again, it's companies are big enough to have an IT department. The IT department put the rules in. Well, the rules are now moving into operations instead of an IT department because operations is the the gateway to production. And so you want to get to production fast, then uh, we can support you because we already have this built. If you want something other than this build, then you've got to go from scratch. So here's the platform to get out there fast and you don't have to worry about as many things. And part of the effort is just having a platform team making a decision about what the preferred option is. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And, and, and the nemesis of platform engineering is shadow IT. Is which? Right. That's right. Shadow IT. Uh, People bypassing those yes. decisions. Yes. Not just necessarily like... bypassing, but but just not being a, just not being aware. And and you have mm. you you have five teams and, and you end up with a dozen different implementations because yep. each each team tries more than one thing. Yep. Platform so... engineering wants to wrangle all of that into a common plat platform again, where uh that that meets the needs of most engineering teams not it doesn't need to, to meet the need of uh, need to meet the needs of all of them at, at some point the platform engineering team has to look at the specs or the requirements of an engineering team and say this is reasonable this is not you need to change your approach to this yeah and the the other aspect of it is is if you take a look at companies uh tendency to be more organic in growth you'll have all these ops that are sitting there uh, eating lunch, bitching about all the stuff they have to do. And they sit there and they say, well, gee, we're all doing this this same thing. So why don't we just institutionalize it in a platform? And so from a, if you're doing organic growth, it's this is what's been working for the company 80% of the time. So let's just you know, standardize on on this thing for 80%. Which doesn't mean that that the yeah. the remaining twenty percent is SOL, right? But it's just that you can make a justification for for their requirements and say like, okay, like I, I want to do it this way, uh, not because I'm, I'm a rebel, but because X Y reasons. But and, and if if that justification is reasonable, then the platform engineer should should be working with them to bringing those features either by expanding the current platform. Or making a domain a second platform that that can then be reused for all, by other teams that want to switch to this one. Right, they have the same or similar requirements. So you could have multiple platforms within a company. Yeah, and it's just that 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 gives you the off-the-shelf implementation that makes things go faster that's better documented it it behaves the same way all the time it's not going to change from out from under you and so you're providing off the shelf uh off the shelf solutions for production productizing to the development engineers you start with one and you either add features or create a second platform that 
matches the differing needs of another group. Well, th- to me, this comes back to the, the the question about complexity, because right, forcing people to use these platforms is, um, you know, as I've already said, not not a successful path. But if we can reduce friction or complexity so that those paths are actually easier, exactly. And the you okay. and the reduction of friction is better documentation, uh, fewer things developers have to know or worry about. They just know they're connecting to X. They don't have to understand the entire API of X or any of the underlying APIs. Uh, so, or for example, like that, let's say they want a Kubernetes cluster. Okay, like. Anyone can go to a cloud platform and, and create a Kubernetes cluster, but a reasonable Kubernetes cluster would then also include, right, uh, set up on a private VPC with a gateway and on a router so that the nodes are not directly exposed. Um, oh, I, I, would go, I would go even further, right? And, 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 and all it, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a holistic perspective saying like where, where the developer will only say, like, I need a, a Kubernetes cluster. And then the platform takes, okay, there's a Kubernetes cluster on all of this ecosystem of requirements around it. Here's a single package that does this for you. And that yep. might include access to the audit. And governance systems, it might exactly. have exactly right. In some fact, observability tie-ins, right? I, I think yeah. this is this is the part of the conversation that is hiding complexity from developers. In that all of those things are operational necessities, and yet, right? You know, if you just say, "Hey, developers, pick your Kubernetes," they're not they're not thinking about all of those pieces. You don't actually want them to have to think about all those pieces, right? But it should all just flow in. It should be and, right. And that, it should be a complete package yeah. where you just have to dump your, make a few decisions on, on configuration of uh, the the network the the net. Yeah, there should be some input, some some, some choices, got, and right. and then you just put your stuff out there, so you don't have to. Everything else is taken care of literally off the shelf for the developer where there are abstracts that that he needs to know that he needs to turn this switch on if he wants it. But once he turns this switch on, it just follows the default thing in the package and does the right thing. Yeah. It's, it's Mm -hmm. more about saying defaults than about removing choices. So Okay. So, so the platform that that you that you provide to the developers, it has the same defaults. You say wait, when the developer just says, "I want, I want a Kubernetes cluster," then you give them certain guarantees about the behavior around that cluster if they don't change any of the parameters. They can they can choose to change the parameters. You can say, for example, well, I I want my logs to go somewhere else instead. So. <laughs> okay. That that's going to be a custom parameter then. Uh, so they, they should have the option to do it. But then the the guarantees that you're giving them will be a little bit weakened because again, the, the logs are no longer in the in a standard location, a predictable one. But it is a uh conscious deci- conscious decision by the developer that requested it to change that parameter, which is also tying back into when we're talking about the cloud pl- uh, cloud platforms. This, which is why why I believe that the the cloud platform uh, efforts to standardize or or at least to provide recipes for standard compliance are similar to, to platform engineering. So, the, because the recipe is then the same defaults. Any deviation from that needs to be justified, but it's still possible. And that okay, and that work because that that's work. I mean, this this to me is part of what we're trying to identify. Because that is actual work that somebody's doing. They're defining it, they're testing it, they're verifying it. it right? You're not just giving somebody a, a a sticky note that says, "Hey, I want you to use these notes." We're actually defining processes that people should follow. Ideally automated processes, right? Yeah. Right. 
which is not, which? go ahead now now the catch is that that the this this process that needs to be followed is it's very specific to the company so the the process that that I need to follow is different than the process that Martez might need to follow or that you Rob might need to follow mm-hmm. uh which it again like this is very hard for to to abstract uh, anything be, beyond a single company because well there's there's that's true this is just like any infrastructure stuff to me which is it's you know, composed out of the same component components and with with slight variations. The ver- the difference the differences are small but material, um, right? You know, if if somebody figures out how to set up logging on a Kubernetes cluster, it's not likely to be it's likely to be unique and not unique at the same time. It's one of the things that makes the operation stuff so hard is that everybody's using the same components with the same objectives in different ways. Yes and no. Uh, okay. For example, I, I may have a requirement that says the logs need to be in the same project as, as the cluster. But someone else may, may have a requirement that says all of the logs need to be aggregated in a central location. Mm, okay. Someone else may have a requirement that says all of the logs need to be in Europe because of GDPR compliance. Right. So does that end up being platform engineering like in as part of this is to actually identify? Um, oh, boy, I just had this complex thought. It, right. What we don't want, what companies don't want is each team to make that decision on their own. They, they actually want to be able to say, you know what, the difference between U.S. and European logging should, you know, should converge or, you know, it should be we should manage it so that you're not building completely different infrastructures or processes or automation to handle those requirements. That that's yep. Because uh, and, and, right, ultimately, you don't. The dev teams don't want to care. You want it to just work. So somebody has to be. Don't, don't they? they? Does, <laughs> I think in some ways they, they they do care, which is why I think in some ways we're we're at where we're at as an industry. Um, whether it be the dev team or even an operations team, if you take for example of interacting with a, a cloud platform, one of the challenges even from the operational side is if I want to reduce. A lot of that pain, certainly we've seen that the public clouds, but also if I ever say, you know what, I'm going to contract with a service provider to reduce the, the overall burden that my operations team has to deal with. And then the service provider says, you know what, you're not going to be offered spot instances or any of these other more advanced features. And the operations team is like, well, I could just go straight to the cloud and get those. What do you mean? I can't do those. <laughs> and so that, that's where a lot of the rub starts to come is if I said, you know what, I'm not concerned about uh, where you ship logs, or, or if I simply say, you know what, this is the only place you can ship logs. Is there a, a pushback that says, you know what, that's not the only place I want to ship logs. So I, I, while we often say that, you know, I don't care about a thing when somebody tells us that, you know what, you can't do the thing. I think it creates a, a weird feeling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you don't want responsibility that you care, right? That's the, <laughs> there's a, that's the difference. Yeah. So by and large, so, the, the developers care that their requirements are met. And, and they may have very, very varying degrees of requirements. So some, some development teams are aware of data residency requirements, in, in which case the, the requirement is like the mm-hmm. data needs to live here. Other ones, they may only be working on completely ephemeral workloads. And, and so like, well, I, I don't care. I, I just want a cluster or, or, or a VM or, or a container service or, or, or Lambda or whatever. I do, do just run my stuff. So a significant Task portion uh, and a very important task of of the platform engineering team is requirement specification, not just from the developers, also from the company. Is basically gather all of the requirements and figure out a solution that meets them. Uh, and these requirements mm-hmm. might also change over time. So the, there's the continuous maintenance task as as well. 
So does transparency on the back end become a factor in what you're describing? Like as you know, the developer wanting to have a um you know a button, but then you know still needs the power to uh, this this to me is where the the we're not talking collaboration in platform engineering enough and where de- DevOps and platform engineering are are really just you know it's an API to API operations turn things off it's an API operations but that's actually a contract and contracts are actually more collaborative than less collaborative right you actually want to be able to say hey this is what I want to have happen and you know I actually you know I might not care that it but sometimes I do and I need to actually see what you're doing um, it, it, it goes even beyond yeah. the API to, to operations because uh, an API implies that operations has full control over the implementation or, mm. or, or sole control over the implementation. But with platform engineering, that's not necessarily the case because you, you can do without a walled garden. You, you can say, here are my, my Terraform modules. These are the ones that we implement. But you can encourage your developers to submit uh, pull requests to enhance them. Like it's ultimately the operation teams or the or the platform engineering teams uh, decision whether they want to accept them. But um, it is a much more fluid kind of interaction than than an API, which is like what what you see is what you get. Well, that's where we get into the. The, the whole interesting thing of does the developer care? If the developer doesn't care, is the developer submitting a pull request? If the developer doesn't care, that then they, they won't submit a pull request because what what is given to them is good enough for them. If the developer cares because they they want a particular feature or because uh, they need a certain enhancement, then they're going to submit a pull request. Like Which for me, gets back to the point of oftentimes it's a they don't care, but yet it is a lot of cases where somebody does care. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you, know, you don't. I mean, that's, I one of my favorite phrases of abstractions um, is, is the tautology. Abstractions are useful until they're not. <laughs> Which, right? A good abstraction is really important, but if you have made an abstraction you can't reach past, then you've actually not made a useful abstraction, because there's times when you have to, you know, the underlying complexity of the system requires you to understand the underlying complexity of the system, and there's just no other there's no other way to do it. And 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 that's why I I like uh, calling this recipes instead of abstractions. Because, I mean, if you just follow the recipe, like treat it as a as a script that is given to you out, like out of the box. You, you run it, it 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 gives you what 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 you want. Simple, good enough for eighty or ninety percent of of teams. Any team that that mm-hmm. wants some kind of configuration can still take a peek under the hood and, and see what's going on and, and make their changes. And I, I think oh, that's and, super super powerful, and we're and, we're overlooking how important that is. That's right. And, and they can also make sure, again, by submitting a pull request, that the changes that they've themselves made are available to other teams for reuse. So it, this is uh, a much more collaborative effort. Uh, and one thing also that that gets often overlooked uh, is that. It makes these features and capabilities visible within a startup. That this is not a problem because you have a dozen people and they all talk to each other. When you're dealing with a company of hundreds or thousands of employees, it's very easy to miss something. But if there's one central location, the platform engineering teams repositories or or something like, or something equivalent oh, that's to that. Exactly right. That where, where, this is infrastructure as code to me is what yeah. you're describing. Yeah, where for example, a, a, a new team, a newly formed team, you can point them to 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 this location and say, "This is what we have available. Take a look. If you if you if you're thinking of something that you don't see here, talk to us, and either we have it or we can put it in 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 our lo- in our backlog to say." This is someone something that someone requested, so we can either help them uh, 
implemented, or we can suggest equivalent uh, solutions to that. What, what you're describing to me is is the conversation I wish I was seeing with platform engineering that I, that I'm that I'm not. Um, I, can, I hope to. Maybe I, maybe I will in the next in the next round of it. But again, okay, like the. Uh, as with as with previous conversations, I have to add the caveat that this is my personal opinion on how platform engineering should be. This sure. is probably not how companies are are selling platform engineering, <laughs> and I choose to disregard their stance on this because this is how I believe it should be done. Well, and so Rob, part of what the the fact that your company is in there doing what it's doing, your consultants can actually help drive companies more towards this perspective as opposed to what you're hearing out there. It's you know, and, you and and that is part of my motivation, right? I'm I, I'm I'm listening to our customers and what they're trying to do. Um and some of what the industry conversations are about and what DevOps has been about for a long time. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'd am i love to have the come and let me back up because there's a question I'm asking myself is like, did I miss something here? Right. Are portals sufficient for people to, you know, create a build a put the wall back between Dev and Ops? Um, or, or is there a conversation that, you know, we should be you know, looking for the hallways where that those conversations are being had. And I'm hearing the latter from y'all, but... but yeah, so again, my opinion is that it is the latter. And, and this is also largely because I see platform engineering as a... I don't want to say knee-jerk, but, but that, that's the best term this, that I can think of it. Yeah. A, a knee-jerk reaction to how DevOps has been treated. Okay. So, so we, we know very well that the that there's a significant difference between DevOps as it is on paper and DevOps as it is in reality. And the the, the and the reality of this is that DevOps as it has been implemented and and it has been treated uh, over the past decade is nothing like DevOps as it is on paper, uh, but yeah. And and that again, in my personal opinion, uh platform engineering is um is really taking a look at the tasks that have been labeled as DevOps in the past, drawing a line around them and formalizing that process. I I don't see platform engineering as a paradigm shift. I, I see it just as doing the same things that have been done informally over the past decade or so and giving it a, a new name um, with a more controlled process. I and I like that. That's what you're describing is what I was what I was so excited about for platform engineering was actually mm -hmm. coming in and saying, you know, hey, we're we're gonna help accelerate you and remove friction by defining these processes and creating, you know, uh, standard process that, you know, we check in as code and we, we, you know, it's this rational, hard work, operational front end, something that SRE like started out as, and then sort of switched into observability in the last two years. Um, got, you know, it, it, the, the, this hard work of, of, Building those standards and processes and documenting them and testing them, um, right, and then and then providing them and supporting them. That to me is is incredibly valuable work, um, yeah. and that's what I've been hoping platform engineering would be described as. It's a service oriented operations uh, yeah. transformation. I, I also know that the to some people. Adding a new label for something that they were already doing seems to be redundant <laughs> and, and, and counterproductive. But I, my opinion is a bit more optimistic on that. And, and uh, we're taking something that 
we know how it's been happening uh, yeah. and we're describing it better like uh, we can say now that when someone takes the requirements from a dev team and builds a a, a module that that meets meets them 80 percent of the time that meets their requirements that's platform engineering and oh, i like that and yeah. being able to label that that work uh, while it, it doesn't help on the technical side it helps uh, on on the management side of that as well is some and, of and, this and, go ahead uh, and i was just gonna say i was drunk going I, I want to draw a parallel parallelism to this uh with um what's been happening socially with for example uh with, with mental disorders with, with anxiety with with, with depression mm. uh even with, with things like like autism and, and Asperger's syndrome like the what what what's happening with with with, the, with these people that's been happening forever but only recently have have started labeling it and, and the awareness of it has increased and 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 that's that's a great thing that 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 the awareness is increasing same thing i i think should be happening on the it side where you say this is a t- recurring task on on the devops team before it was taken as granted or or just taken as being insignificant but it's now been recognized as a significant workload significant enough that is that has been giving a whole new label platform engineering and you, actually ahead, the cloud providers can enable and speed this because from their position, they actually can see how many of their folks are are doing doing things the same mm-hmm. way, and they. Whereas a company might come up with their first platform or maybe two platforms if they're uh, disciplined and self aware, the cloud providers could actually speed the whole adoption process by saying this is what we see our customers using in the large part we've got this kind of we've got uh, commerce here that uses uh, a plat this type of platform and keeps recreating essentially this platform with some minor tweaks and we've got social networking over here that has this kind of platform with these requirements and whatnot. And they could actually really make platform engineering adoption uh, go a lot faster and smoother by just publishing white papers on what they see the common practices are based on the verticals that they are servicing. Well, the thing I would say is that they have for years and years and years and years. Uh, when you go to AWS and their their samples and their examples, it's from what I've seen time and time again. It's the I don't want to use that. Our company is a snowflake. We're going to build it how we build it, and that's it. I think to, to a point that Rob has made time and time again is reusability of automation. Oftentimes, it literally just becomes I don't want to use that. I want to use my thing, <laughs> or, or or not even yeah. that. Is it can also be ignorance. Like again, startups, snowflakes, the developers fresh out of college. They, or or never to, gotten fit through I, college. I, I, I will blame the tools on this. I think I think we don't um make sure that there's just like I think dev tools do this really well, where they encourage um encourage reuse in libraries and language design. I I don't think the automation tools have have um, done enough. Our, my, ours included. I, I I think we could do more and more to to make it easier to reuse and 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 take advantage of of common patterns and, and reduce the lift. But it's not just that. It's 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 improve the result by having you know not having all these similar components arranged in different ways. It, it, That's true. I'd also like to pat point out that Klaus is reusing Rob's image and I haven't figured out how that happened. Hmm? That's probably a zoomism. Yeah. Oh. That, 
Zoom. Yeah, I, I see that happen uh, as well with, with, with other people where uh, multiple attendees end up having the same image. Ah, <laughs> is my photos that good? I actually have a new one, a, a and, more and recent zooms one. And into reuse. The we are over time. I added a future topic to continue this um, is sharing caring on, on platform engineering because <laughs> I I think it's a fascinating idea of you know getting companies not just to reuse platform engineering internal teams. Which is to me the point, as we've said really eloquently, but can we do better than that? Good question. <laughs> so we'll pick that. I have that scheduled for the 28th. We've got a whole bunch of stuff on the calendar. So excellent. This was great. I this, this I, I wasn't sure how far we would go down this rabbit hole. And I'm, I'm really impressed with how far we went. So thank you. Cool. Love it. Cheers. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Stay warm, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <Bye. Bye>. <laughs> wow. It was really hard to stop this conversation. I feel like we were getting to a point where we really opened up another major topic that is sharing automation uh, possible. And we will be going back to that in future episodes. If you can, please join us. Um, we are at the 2030.cloud. We do these conversations all the time. And having a roundtable with multiple voices and questions is the whole point. So if this is exciting and interesting to you, if you think we got it right or you think we got it wrong, we want to hear from you in the next roundtable. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.